Hello everyone and welcome back to The Science of Deduction. I'm your host Charlotte Holmes and today I'm going to give you the answer to last week's case as well as take a look at some of your theories and answer your questions. Spoiler alert, it looks like I've got a lot of work to do. A couple of people sent in some pretty interesting theories but no one was able to solve it this week even after I posted relevant evidence photos. Anyway, at the end of today's segment, I'm going to give you your new case, and it's a pretty good one, I think. It went unsolved for about 25 years until I got my hands on it. Ooh. Um, okay, I'll give you just a little quick teaser now. How can a woman not notice for over a decade that her husband has gone missing? Interesting. More on that later. First off, your questions. Now, the inbox was pretty light this week, but I guess that's understandable since it was only the first segment. Uh, for some reason, someone wanted to know if I had any tattoos. I don't really see why that's relevant to detective work, but, you know, whatever. Um, I got a few theories, though, and some of them weren't half bad. One listener picked up on the connection between the well-dressed man and the woman in the red dress and the waiter, and that the waiter and the woman were working together, and you were absolutely right. There's totally a scandal to be unearthed there, but it has nothing to do with murder. Now, the pin on the man's lapel, which was revealed on my Instagram, is a government pin that's often worn by congresspeople, senators, aides, and other people who work at the Capitol building. Now, this happens to be Washington State Senator Pete Jones, and his political opponents uh, had been trying to topple his upcoming re-election campaign with a scandal. Now, Pete, you see, has been rumored to favor a certain class of call girls for some time, and his opponents wanted to try to catch him at it. And the waiter and the woman both work for Pete's opponents, and I think even you listeners can probably deduce what their scheme is. It's inconsequential in the grand scheme of this particular case. Now, you may have noticed that I left out a crucial piece of evidence from last week's breakdown. I didn't tell you about the victim. And I know some of you out there are probably thinking, Oh, but Charlotte, when I watch my primetime crime dramas, they always tell me that victimology is the most important thing. You can't learn about the killer if you can't see the victim. And to that I say... I did solve this case without seeing the victim because I noticed something very important about the third man, Warren Bedden. Major Warren Bedden served in the United States Air Force from 1965 to 1973. He did several tours in Vietnam under President Nixon, and he was discharged near the end of the Vietnam War under questionable circumstances. He received many honors for his service, which I noticed when he was introduced to me at the cocktail party, but there was something in particular that stood out. Something I was hoping that you would all pick up on when you went through my Instagram profile. Now, one of my listeners sent me a message that I was pretty impressed by. They had this to say, quote, I think the elderly airman could be in his late 50s, early 60s, based off the blue, yellow, and red striped ribbon. It could be the Air Force Training Ribbon, which was first awarded in 1980, but retroactively awarded back to 1974. Assuming the man joined the Air Force at 18, he would have been between 55 and 61. 
This also means that he could have been active during the final years of the Vietnam War or took part in any operations in the Persian Gulf, uh, Libya, or South America. End quote. I really want to commend you, whoever you are, for being able to correctly deduce Warren Bedden's approximate, uh, approximate age and his military service based on the little information you had. Now, like I said, Bedan did serve in the Vietnam War, but the specific ribbon I mentioned and showed you on my Instagram isn't the Air Force training ribbon. It's actually a Navy combat action ribbon, an honor that's only awarded to active duty service members who served in the Navy, the Marines, and occasionally under special circumstances, the Coast Guard. Now, the ribbons have the same basic pattern and color scheme, but the colors of the stripes are inversed. But still, uh, lucky listener, I have to give you some credit for thinking along the train of logic that you did. So you get my Charlotte Holmes gold star for the day, or whatever. Anyway, now at this point, if you're following along, you're asking yourself the same question that I did. Why was an Air Force veteran wearing an honor only gifted to other branches of the military? What kind of a coincidence would it be then if the victim that was about to be found in the bathroom was a Navy veteran who happened to be missing one of their ribbons? <laughs> Lo and behold, the victim was discovered in the bathroom having been strangled to death and he turned out to be a Navy veteran. There was an empty place on his uniform where his combat action ribbon should have been. I presented these interesting tidbits to the police when they arrived and they arrested Major Bedden on site. And the following investigation uncovered many interesting things. Several of the honors that Major Bedden possessed actually didn't belong to him. He'd been murdering fellow veterans for years and stealing their decorations, but he'd always been careful not to make the exact mistake he'd made the night that I met him. So what caused him to change pattern? The questionable circumstances that got Major Bedden discharged in 1973 actually involved the Navy veteran that he'd killed that night. There was an altercation between the pair of them back in the Vietnam War that Bedden claims was the other man's fault, but Bedden was forced to take the blame for it and retire from his service prematurely. That event triggered him to go on to his other killings and regain the honor he believed he'd lost. Now, when he met the Navy vet at a fundraiser, this cocktail party that we all attended, he couldn't resist the opportunity to enact his revenge. Now, this is a complex story full of lots of pieces and loose threads, as you can see, and pulling on any one of them would have unraveled the whole thing. I happened to be in the right place at the right time and noticed the right thread to pull. And now, I often get mocked or ridiculed by people for amassing miscellaneous information, such as the decorations and honors awarded to the military service people, but without my noticing Benin's mistake, this case would have likely gone unsolved. So, lesson one that I pass on to you is this. Learn everything that could potentially be useful to you, no matter how small or ridiculous the subject matter might seem. I once solved a serial arsonist case by identifying the precise strain of tobacco ash that the culprit liked to smoke, something that the SPD forensics team didn't even think to look at until I suggested it. 
But that might be a story for another time. Because now, as I promised, we're going to move you on to your new case for this week. The Mystery of the Vanishing Husband. And now that I hear that title out loud, I think that it's going to need a little work. But for now, that's what we're calling it. The Mystery of the Vanishing Husband. An Eastern Washington woman realized that her husband had been missing for over a decade. Now, how did she not notice this before? Because she'd eaten meals with him during that time, taken trips with him, done all the things a normal married couple would do. So what finally tipped her off that something was wrong? When the woman was set to retire, she went to her local bank to open a safety deposit box that, safety deposit box that she and her husband had kept. But it was empty. It had been for 12 years, the clerk told her. Who had emptied it, she asked. Well, her husband, the clerk said. So the woman did some digging, and after a while, she came across a startling discovery. The man she'd been living with over the last few years wasn't a fingerprint match for her husband. She'd been living with an imposter. So where did her real husband go? How did she not notice that there had been a switch? How did her friends and family not notice? Spoiler alert, it's not twins. If anyone comes into my inbox and suggests that it was twins, I will track down your IP address and forcibly remove you from my subscriber list. Now, don't forget to subscribe and send your theories into my website. I will be answering any questions that come in and any uh, case theories that you have on the next show two weeks from now. And also, don't forget to be checking out my Instagram page for updates on this case. Until then, game on.